So well, here's the scenario. We starting, we're starting a series this morning called Go Fight Win. This week we're going to be talking about the, the process of going for God. Next week I'm going to teach you uh, how to fight. Go fight win. I'm going to teach on how to fight in the spirit. Now, I understand that saying things like that in 2014, it's not exactly how we talk most of the time. People don't say things like, I'm going to teach you how to fight in the spirit, but that's what we're going to do. The reality is the devil doesn't take any days off. He's trying to take you out. So what we're going to do is we're just going to teach on the processes uh, that God has established so that we can fight by faith in the spirit. Amen. And then after that, I'm going to teach on how to win. And you do not want to miss that series. It's going to be how to win in God, which is almost a guaranteed way to make sure that you always get the victory in God. And I'll give you a little hint. It doesn't have too much to do with you. The Bible says that from the beginning of time, God has been calling people to go. He's been calling people to leave what is familiar and to leave what is status quo and begin to move in a different direction. Now, that intro there that if you ever go to Kyle Field, you'll see that exact same intro and and you'll have 104,000 people chanting the same thing and waving their towels. And if you don't go to Kyle Field, shame on you. It's the place to be on Saturday nights because the Aggies are there. And it's just an amazing event, amazing occurrence. But I got news for you. Uh, uh, tomorrow morning when you get out of bed, and you decide to wipe the sleep out of your eyes and stop snoozing the alarm clock 27 times and you get out of the house, into the garage, get into your garage, open the car door, get in the car, shut the door, crank the car, back out, get into the driveway and begin to drive out. Nobody is going to say anything like this. Now forming at the north end of your yard, the Fighting Texas Aggie Band. It's just not going to happen. The Aggies have everything they need and everything you could imagine to get them prepared to go to war. By the time those young men come out of that tunnel, they're so excited because they're hearing all the people. They're hearing the music. They see the screen. They see the smoke. Everybody is ready to do it. But in your life, I'm sorry to tell you, I don't mean to bring bad news, but you're not going to have a pep rally on Monday morning just to get you to live for Jesus. He says things like this, encourage yourself. Wait a minute. Well, wait a minute. I'm going to need somebody to swat me on the hiney every morning to tell me how good I've been, to tell me how good I'm going to do. No, no, no. You know what he designed for that? He designed the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. You put its words in your heart, and when you start feeling down, when you start feeling depressed, when you start feeling like, I don't know how to take the next step, you begin to remember things like this. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm blessed coming in, and I'm blessed going out. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's a good place to clap. There's nothing like living for God, but the problem with living for God is a lot of people don't understand that there are precepts associated with the promises of God. If you have your Bible, you can go to Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis, that's all the way to the left if you're using uh, old school leather and paper. If you are using an iPad or an iPhone, you just tap it in there. Gen number 12, G-E-N, Genesis, the beginning. That's where the Bible talks about how heaven and earth was created. It's how the covenant was established between God and Adam. It's how Adam broke the covenant. Adam and Eve broke the covenant. And then it's how God begins to rebuild that relationship. And he begins with a man named Abram who later became a man named Abraham. Everybody say Abram. 
If I say Abraham, just forgive me, it rolls off the tongue better than Abram. I don't know if it's the extra syllables or what. But the bottom line is God begins to have a communication, have communication with Abram. And he says to him in Genesis verse number uh, one, uh, in chapter number 12, he says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, this is uh, uh, King James, Get thee out of thy country. Everybody say country. And from thy kindred, say kindred. And from thy father's house, say father's house. Unto a land that I will show you. Another translation says it better in, for 2014 like this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go out from your country, your kindred, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. God is very interesting. He does not tell you the end from the beginning, yet he knows the end from the beginning. God is very interesting. You cannot please God without a component called faith. Faith is the belief in something you can't see, meaning you jump out of an airplane with a backpack on your back and you believe that even though you can't see it, that when you pull the ripcord, there's going to magically appear a parachute out of the backpack which will save your life. You, in fact, have faith in what you cannot see, so you decide to jump anyway. With God, you have to have faith in order to please him. So what he's done is he's established different precepts to give us the opportunity to take part in his promises. But what he's told Abraham is, I, what he's told Abraham is I need you to leave your country, I need you to leave your kindred, and I need, to leave, need you to leave your father's house. In short, I'd say it like this. He says, Abram, I need you to go. That's the precept. We'll get to the promises. Verse 2 says this, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And you will be a blessing. God said to him, he says, I need you to leave your nation. I need you to leave your country. And I'm going to make you a great nation. He says, I'm going to need, lead you to leave your kindred. I'm going to need you to leave everything that you're familiar with. And here's the deal. I'm going to make your name great. He says, I'm going to need you to leave your father's house. And I'm going to make where you, in fact, are a blessing. You see, God wants to bless you coming in. And going out, anybody who says anything other than that is not teaching from the Bible or they're certainly not teaching from the whole Bible. However, God has precepts in place that precede his promises. The promise is, I want to bless you. The precept is, Abram, I'm going to need you to trust me and take a step of faith. Many of us in the room right now, we know God is calling us to take a step of faith. We know God is calling us to take a step of action, to put works behind what we believe. But for whatever reason, we haven't done it yet. Well, here's the situation with God, which is very interesting. In order to have access to the promises, we're going to have to fulfill the precepts. And verse 3 says this, I will bless them that bless you. Abram, I'm going to bless the people that bless you. Now, you got to get a proper perspective or, or if you're in the church world, you would say it like this. You got to get a revelation. Revelation simply means a biblical understanding of a godly principle. Whenever you get a biblical understanding of a godly principle, now all of a sudden things begin to shift and alter in your life. When you understand that God will bless those that bless you on the outside from the world's perspective, it doesn't make too much sense. But if you think of him as your father, which you are lawfully able to do, because the Bible says when you say yes to Jesus, that you are an heir and a joint heir with Christ. The Bible says that you are grafted into the true vine. You have been adopted by God, whereby you have the authority to cry out, Abba, Father, which in our language would be to call the father of the universe the god of all creation it gives you the right and the capacity to call him daddy 
My children do not walk in and say, oh, father, my children say, daddy, when they skin their knee, they don't come in and say, father, are you willing to help me? They say, daddy, daddy, daddy. And I understand everything they need. I will bless those who bless you. God will bless the people who bless you. And here's how you know. When somebody walks up to my children and they are kind to my children, I want to be nice to them. If they're nice to me, they probably know my wife and realize she's nicer than me, so they're just trying to be nice. But when they're nice to my children, something parental on the inside of me rises up, and it makes me want to knee-jerk and bless them. He said, Abram, I'm going to bless the people who bless you. Here's the other side. I'm going to make you... Uh, I'm going to curse the people who curse you. And in you will all the families of the earth be blessed. I'm going to curse the people who curse you. That's kind of a difficult pill. If we read it knee jerk and we want to be baby Christians and just drink milk all day. Somebody say, not me. Then we would say, yeah, curse them, God. But allow me to talk about. God's wrath for just a moment. There were two cities. You've heard of them, Sodom and Gomorrah. God knew there was no repentance found in them when a man named Lot was delivered. And he rained down fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed the cities. Another time, there was an uprising against the man of God at the time. And literally, the earth opened up and swallowed everything that was against God. The Bible says that there's a day coming when everybody will be weighed and measured. If you are saved, if you are washed in the blood of Jesus, then from that standpoint, you're going to have free access to heaven. Not because it was cheap, because free doesn't mean cheap. Cheap would mean that it didn't have a high cost. Free means somebody else paid the price. But this price had the highest cost that could have ever been paid. And you're going to have the opportunity to walk on streets of gold. You're going to meet all your heroes. You're going to meet King David. You're going to meet Samson. You're going to meet Adam. You're going to meet Eve. You're going to meet Peter. And some of you are going to feel a lot better because you found out Peter cussed in the Bible and you're going to be okay. Power of life and death is in your tongue. Mind what you say. So the situation is simple. If you think about it, God's going to curse the people who curse you. But Jesus comes on the scene. And he says something like this. He says, Everybody can pray for the people they like and be nice to the people they like. What I've come to tell you to do in the Brazos Valley is to pray for those who curse you. To pray for those who are against you. To pray for those who are seeking to do you harm. Now, now, on one side of it, if you're just a baby Christian, you would say, I don't want to pray for anything like that. But if you understand the wrath of God, you would understand that if God lifts his hand of mercy and curses those who are against you, they have no chance. All of a sudden, you begin to see people with the scales of your eyes being removed. And you see them not as somebody who's hurting you, but somebody who's hurting and therefore hurting you pray for those who curse you pray for those who come against you because here's the situation it's not your fight anyway god says vengeance is mine and guess what he's good at it pray for those who curse you because if they keep that way god's going to come against them 
Verse number four. Verse number three ends like this. It says, and in you, I'm going to, uh, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Now, that's an interesting thing, too, because in verse number one, God says to him, he says, now, listen, I need you to give up your father's house. I need you to leave your father's house. Some of you have family members that are crazy. If you didn't laugh at that joke, you're the crazy family member. Some murmuring going on in here. He says, I'm going to need you to leave what's familiar and this household. And here's what I'm going to do if you'll do it. I'm going to bless every house in the world that comes through your name and the covenant I'm going to bring. What God does is he establishes a blessing that's greater than you can contain so that you can pour that blessing on somebody else. He says, I'm going to bless you coming in, going out. He says, I'm going to give you more than enough. More than enough means it's more than you can do. Do you remember in the, in the, in the story when the Israelites came out of Egypt, the Bible says that they were going through the wilderness and God told them, he says, I'm going to put some bread. They called it manna. He said, I'm going to put some bread on the ground. And then they said, man, we really don't just like bread. Uh, we'd like to have some meat too. So he gave them some quail. Uh, some of you guys like to hunt in here. It'd be a lot easier to just pick them up off the ground than it would be to shoot them. Uh, so he was just, he gave them quail in the morning and he gave them bread. And he said, but I only want you to take what you can consume that day because if you do not guess what it's going to rot well those days are over those are the days when God was giving them just enough to make sure that they understood that he was the source but today he says this he says I want to give you more than enough and I you are my hands and my feet and I want you to bless your neighbor I want you to send a missionary to Africa. I want you to send a missionary to Guatemala. I want you to send a missionary to India. I want you to bless somebody that you know is not going to have a good Christmas. You don't have to have permission to bless somebody. Buy double the groceries and take it to their house. More than enough. This is Christianity. Why do we need more than enough? Because he wants to bless all the nations and kindred and families of the world through his church. He says, I'm going to bless you and all the families of the world are going to be blessed out of you. And here's the here's the here's what Abram did that we need to do. Abram departed. He went. It's really simple with God. Sometimes it seems convoluted. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. But there is one who is a liar and the father of all lies, and he's constantly trying to talk to you. You see, God speaks to you in a still, small voice, but the devil screams and shouts. God says to you, he said, if you'll trust me, I'll bless you. And the devil said, how do you know he'll bless you? God says, if you'll go, I'll meet you. The devil says, you don't know if he'll keep the appointment. All through your life, you've got a still small voice that's speaking to you and you've got another voice that's screaming at the top of his lungs trying to get you off track. He says, I'm going to bless you if you'll go. And sometimes it's so confusing because with God, uh, he doesn't tell us the end. He doesn't tell us that uh, he told Crystal and me. He said, listen, he said, I want you guys to go put a church in, Bra in the Brazos Valley. And I'm going to have uh, a whole bunch of people there on October 5th, 2014. He didn't say that. He just said, go. He says, go and I'll bless you. 
So he begins to bless Abram. And the Bible says that as he blessed him, uh, that Abraham began to increase. And as Abraham began to increase, he had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob had a son whose name got changed to Israel. And Israel is the nation that is still over in the Middle East right now that every devil-worshiping mongrel on the planet wants to take. But God says no. All because Abram went. Your family depends on if you'll take the next step. Your family depends on if you'll walk with God. Can I just say this? I know it's hard. I know it can be difficult at times. But God won't leave you and He's not going to forsake you. Here's the situation. With God, He will speak to you. By a show of hands, who has felt the impression or the voice of God speak to them on the inside? Just lift your hand and wave it. Look at that. Almost all the room. That means we're the majority. That means people who say you can't hear from God, they're the crazy ones. God made us and he knows how to let you hear him. When you hear from God, sometimes it can seem difficult. Sometimes it can seem confusing. How do I do this? How do I do that, oh God? Sometimes it can seem like like it's, I don't know how to make the decision, or I do know how to make the decision, but with God, you really only have two choices. When He speaks, there are but two. Obedience and disobedience. Now here's the deal. I have three kids. I've mentioned them already. One of them's name is Haley. She is eight. One of them's name is Walker Lee. He is five. And he is a ball of fire. One of them's name is Trinity Bell. And she runs the house. And she's three. Uh, she's actually three today. So if you see a little girl dressed up like Elsa. That's her. Can I get a witness for Frozen? Glory to the Lamb. I have three children. If I tell my children to go clean their room, they're very obedient. They run in their room, they gather up all their toys, they throw them in the closet, and they shut the closet. And if Crystal goes in there and checks, she goes in and she opens the closet door and the avalanche comes out and she says, no ice cream for you. But if daddy goes in there and checks, I walk in, I say, you kids did such a good job, let's go get an ice cream. There's precepts for the promises. Can I just say this? If they don't clean their room, they're still my children. I still love them. I still long to bless them. I still want what's best for them. But it's so difficult to pour that blessing out. That's how it is with God. If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear the next 30 seconds. Some of you, God has put something on the inside of you very strong. Some of you, God has put something on the inside of you that will change your circle of influence for the kingdom. If you don't do anything else, take a step. God told Abram, go and I'll bless you. God's telling you today, go and I'll bless you. Here's the other interesting thing about our God. 
He's a lead from the front kind of God. He's a lead from the front kind of God. Everybody wants to follow somebody who will take the lead. Everybody wants to follow somebody who will storm the enemy's gates. That's why Joshua was so strong uh, in, in the scripture whenever he was uh, fighting under Moses' tutelage and whatever he was going about the things that he should have gone about. Joshua was, was overwhelmingly uh, brave and valiant. And David, even as a young boy, said, if somebody curses God, I'll fight him. I don't care if I am. Because people will follow somebody. They will follow an idea. They will follow something that has conviction. Jesus is that way. He leads from the front. He doesn't stop. He doesn't slow down. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary. He says, you do this. Here's one thing he said. He said, pray without ceasing. Wait a minute, Jesus. When swamp people comes on, I'm going to need a break. When gold rush comes back on, I'm going to need a break. He's not saying you have to recite the Lord's Prayer 24-7. He's saying never get out of communication. My wife's right here on the second row. I know she looks 21. I was trying to remember. She's not older than me, though. She's way out of my league, y'all. If I spoke to my wife once a year, how do you think that relationship would go? Would it get stronger or would it diminish? If I told my wife I love you on our wedding day, which I did, and then told her that's it. I told you 10 years ago at the altar, what do you need to hear it for? Guess what's going to happen to our relationship? That's why Jesus says, pray without ceasing. That's why God says, pray without ceasing. Because he's, he's interested in the relationship going like this. And not like this. But he's a lead from the front kind of God. And how I know is he spent his whole life proving, his whole 33 years on earth, proving that what he said was possible. He said, listen, guys, I don't want you to sin. Meaning, quit cussing at your wife. Quit yelling at your husband. Quit being ugly to kid to your kids because you had a bad day at work. Quit being ugly to the people at work. Quit talking about people at the water cooler. This is what this is what God would say. And the reason He can say that is because He didn't sin at all. That doesn't mean that we don't fall short of the glory of God. It just means that He's a lead from the front kind of God. In verse number one, we all uh, spoke those words a minute ago. He said, I'm going to need you to leave your country, your kindred, and your father's house. Well, here's the deal. Uh, Abram probably didn't understand that completely, but by faith he did it. But if he had just held on a little bit longer, and if he had our Bible today, and he were able to see into the future, he would realize that Jesus, the Son of God, the King of glory, would one day get up off of his throne, which, by the way, the earth with his footstool, he sat right next to his daddy, and he left the nation called heaven, which there's no sickness, there's no pain, there's no anything else. Streets are paved with gold. There's, there's emeralds and rubies everywhere you can look. There's a sea that's so beautiful it looks like glass. The Holy Spirit is there. All the angels are there. His kindred are surrounding him. He leaves his nation. Then he leaves his father's house. And the Bible says that in his father's house are many mansions. He left all of that to be born of a young virgin 
in a barn. He's a lead from the front kind of God. He didn't say go, but he wouldn't. He said, go. And I went. When he said, take up your cross and bear it, can you picture him carrying lumber up a rock hill after being beaten so bad he should be dead already, only to when he gets to the top, be nailed to it so much that blood would run down that wooden post into the ground and set you and me free? He said, take up your cross. But he led from the front. He didn't say, take up your cross. And I won't. He said, take up your cross. Because I did. This is the point of the sermon. Where I sweat a lot. This is the point of the sermon where I would inject your story if I knew it. But I know mine. I married my beautiful wife. About seven days after we graduated from college. Had a good job. Everything was going just like you'd map it out. And the Spirit of God told us to go. And we moved to a city where we didn't know anybody. Didn't know anything. And God blessed us. We were there about two or three years. And then I met a man. And when I met him, the Spirit of God said to me, go. And I said, oh, man. I went home that day and talked to Crystal. I said, the Lord spoke to me today. He said, go. She said, okay. And we went. And God blessed us. Many of the people I met in that move are in this building right now. Then about 36, 48 months ago, God told Crystal and me, to put a church in the Brazos Valley. Bryan College Station. So we did everything we knew to do. We knew God would bless the work of our hands. So about once a month we would come over to this region. And we would drive around and we would pray. We would even drive into per- churches parking lots. And we would pray for those churches. That God would bless them. And over those two years. God just began to put an overwhelming burden on this region. In our hearts for the lost. People that don't know God. There's enough churches in this region. This town doesn't need another church. This town needs a move of God. So we began to pray. And as we prayed, there was a few things. And early in January of 2012, we threw a fleece before the Lord, which just means, God, we really don't know the timetable, but if you'll answer this prayer, then we'll call it a word and we'll move. And the fleece was this. We had a business uh, that had been a blessing to our family. But we knew we couldn't live over here and, and, and stuff like that. Because we were the, the business was out of town. And it wasn't, it wasn't but a week or so later that I got a phone call out of the blue from a man that said, I want to buy your business. I said, whew. I told Crystal. And everything went through with that man. It takes a lot of time because it was a, anyway, it just took a lot of time, paperwork and whatnot. Let me just say this also. It's been a blessing for Crystal and me to come over here. But it's just like God. 
because that business has been an overwhelming blessing for the family that bought it. See, God's not trying to bless you and mess somebody else up. No, no, no. It's not like God's got one big pie, and if you get a piece of it, somebody else doesn't get a piece. No, no, no. God will just make another pie. So then we, we got to the place, the only thing I knew is, you know, if you're going to preach, you got to have a place to preach. So I made one phone call to a friend of mine. I said, I need a building to stand in with a microphone. He goes, call this guy. I called him up. He goes, yeah, I got a church for rent. I said, woo, praise God. Drove over that day and rented the building. That was July 2012. Left the parking lot. Another friend of mine that was a pastor had told me, Whenever you build your church, you need to call Matthew and Tiffany Humphrey because you'll really like them. He was half right. Tiffany's nice. <laughs> I called him, and here's the message I left because, you know, a lot of times when you call somebody, uh, you know, the caller ID pops up. Well, he didn't know who I was, so my message was this. This is Officer Renfro from the Harris County uh, Sheriff's Department. You've been running red lights in Houston, and we're going to get you, boy, so you better call me back something like that he called me back and said, i'm not really a cop uh but i am going to put a church in bryan college station and i'd like to meet you for lunch they've been with us since then as well as a handful of others such a blessing such a blessing but here's the deal september october 2012 we had our first service there was 25 people in the building if i remember right and 23 were related to me. <laughs> Look around just a second. 24 short months later. God's doing something. This is the second service. That's a good place to clap right there. You see, God didn't say in 24 months... I'll open up the doors of a movie theater, one of the most expensive buildings in town, and you guys can have church there. He never said a word about that. He said two letters. G-O-Go. And I sense real strong in my spirit right now, there's a lot of you that know your next step. And let me tell you something. That's a blessing because there will be seasons in your life where you do not know your next step. But many of you know that next step. Many of you know the next step that you should take. And all I'm asking you to do is take that step. Because the minute you do, all of heaven begins to shift. All of heaven begins to stand at attention and says, somebody is taking a step of faith. Let's get ready and move on their behalf. Develop a lifestyle where obedience becomes the knee-jerk decision and not indecision. If you want the promises of God, and if you don't want the promises of God, I can't help you. I really can't. But if you want to be close to the one who created you, if you want to be close to the one who loves you so much that he watched his own offspring bleed and die where you deserved the death, 
if you want to be close to that God, the God, you got to take some steps of faith. Some of you, it might be as simple as getting a drop card out of the lobby and walking into the uh, place that you work and going to your neighbor on the desk and just saying, hey, I go to a good church. You should come. Boom. Walk away. Some of you may be soul winning machines. You're winning 10 people a day to God, but God wants you to win 20. Some of you, it's a business. God says, I'm going to bless you if you'll take this step of faith. God says, I'm going to bless you if you'll take this step of faith. And you're going, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If you don't take the step of faith, I don't know either. But if you do, I will bless you. I will make a great nation out of you. I will make uh, your name great. I will bless all the families around you. And everybody who blesses you, I'll cause blessings to pour on them. And everybody who comes against you, I will fight your battles. He's not a maybe God. 